They're going fast. He just assumed that when he went away, they were going to fast. As long as he was here, they didn't need to. But when he went away, he told the disciples of John, when the bridegroom is gone, the days will come when I shall be taken from them and they'll fast. So the answer was obvious. As long as Jesus was present, his disciples didn't fast. But Jesus said the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken and then they shall fast. Obviously, the bridegroom is not here tonight. So we're talking about fasting. Make sense? And so um, he was taken up to heaven at the ascension. That's in Acts chapter 1 and verse 9. Uh, Jesus assumed that after he ascended into heaven that those who believed in him would fast. And Mark chapter 2 and verse 20 says, But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then they shall fast in those days. So this is in Mark. So we got Mark's version of it, we got Matthew's version of it, and then Matthew chapter 6 and verse 16 says, moreover, when you fast, when you fast, so Jesus is just considering that if you're saved and you're a believer, that you're going to fast. I didn't write it. So he said, but when you fast, be not the hypocrite, hypocrite, hypocrites of a sad countenance, and for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. So, yeah, you know, some people like to brag about fasting. But Jesus said when they brag about it and when they look like they're fasting and when they act like they're fasting and when they disfigure their faces, oh, I'm fasting today, I'm so hungry. You just lost your reward. Amen? That's right. So he said when you fast, don't appear to men as fasting. Just tell them you don't want the bread. If that's what you're fasting. That's what I'm fasting. So bread and sweets is my weakness. I'm like, I have to have, I can't have a meal without bread and a dessert. Look at me. <laughs> so, well, it's, it's tougher for me to fast that than it is the beans and the beans and meat. I like that bread. So, anyway, there, there you have it. But anyway, he, he's, he's going on talking to us about, um, um, now that the bridegroom has been taken from us, we should be in the engaging discipline of self-control, um, enabling us to enjoy he, uh, enjoy something of the closeness to him enjoyed by the original disciples when they talked and walked daily with the Lord. They walked and talked with him. They ate with him. That was their that was their enjoyment. That's what he enjoyed while he was here because they called him a wine bever and a glutton. Uh, in a glutton because he ate so much. Right? So guess what? When we get to heaven, we're going to eat. Amen. So I know fasting can not only draw us closer to the bridegroom, but it can accomplish beneficial results in the lives of others who have deep needs. So fasting is transpersonal or has, has transpersonal and social benefits. I know God honors prayer and fast. Yes. 
Right. He does. He honors it. So because so many people are unfamiliar with the varieties of ways of fasting, uh, you'll find this study that we're going to do is will be helpful with suggestions and how to undertake each of the nine fasts that we're going to talk about. So don't get worried. We're not going to talk about all of them tonight. I might mention them, but we won't talk about all of them. But this guide, this is a guideline only. Fasting is not a legalistic discipline. Don't take it as such. You can make fasting legalistic. But it should be adapted to each worshiper's individual purpose. It's a little loud. We'll not get in it. <laughs> Ultimately, I was trying to stay away from it. Ultimately, you should determine the length of your fast. What, what if anything, you should eat or drink or other aspects. I told you Wednesday, uh, Sunday night that the fast is your choice. I'm not telling you how to do it. I'm just saying do it. Yeah. I'm not telling you what to fast. That's your. That's, that's up to you. Because everybody has personal things that they, you know, you the diabetics have a diet, and, and, and those that are, have other uh, sicknesses, they have diets that they have to stick by. If you have trouble with certain things, you've got to eat certain things. And we understand that, and so does God. Right. Amen? Amen? But if you can't fast food, there's something else you can. Amen? Right. Just whatever it is, you and God needs to figure that out. Amen? So I'm not telling you how to fast. I'm just telling us to fast, okay? Alright, so every time I mention that fast, don't, don't shrink up because it's not legalistic. I'm not trying to tell you how to do it. I'm not trying to, trying to tell you what to do. I'm just telling you it's going to work for us. So I, I do believe that it is mandatory. Here's what I have found to work, that you keep a fasting journal. Keep you a little book by your, by where when you are in those moments of when you do whatever, whether it's watching TV, looking, binging on Netflix, or whatever. Anyway, are, are, are doing your, um, your devotion, whatever it is that you're doing. Keep you a little journal and wait for God to talk. Listen, I know this is hard for guys because we, we, we make little sticky notes sometimes, but then sometimes we got it all in our mind and we think we can remember it all until we get to the grocery store and get half, half forget half of our list. And then you come back home and your wife says, where's my milk? Oh, it wasn't on the list. And she pulls up the text and shows you. Yeah. So, so you understand we're bad about list. Right. So sometimes, you, but, but it does you good to just sit down with a little pencil and paper and just sit down and listen to what God is speaking to you through your spirit in your fast. Because there's so many things that God wants to say, but we're so busy and so full that we don't ever hear him. So when we are laying off of whatever it is that God's dealt with us to lay off of, and we're in our fast, then you can hear the, the voice of God better because what you're doing is giving him that time that you're normally doing whatever you're doing, and now you're giving it to him. So guess what? He said, whoa, yay, I get to speak. I get to speak without any competition. Amen? Nobody is competing with me right this minute. Hey, I get to talk to them. 
So guess what? When God gets a chance to talk, he's going to. So write down what he's saying. Because you don't want to miss it and you don't want to forget it. Make sense? Amen. All right. So, so, so however that is that you do it. But I, I, I believe this discipline is available for us. And, and it, it's, you're, you're going to want to keep track of what God's doing in your life. It may be something that you're feeling, that something that feeling went away. Or, or, or something that you've been struggling with might have all of a sudden while you're fasting. You get, when you get through fasting, you're going to say, what happened to? And it just went. You don't know why it went. But if you're keeping track, you'll know when it happened. You may not know it happened, but you'll know. You can look back on your your track record, and find out when it happened. Okay, so that's what. So I believe it's mandatory for believers today. I do believe the discipline is available to strengthen you spiritually and to help you overcome barriers that might help hinder us from living an overcoming life. How many wants to be an overcomer? Amen. So we're made overcomers by his blood and by the word of his testimony. Now one more thing is more than ever, believers are in bondage to de demonic powers. And need strength to stand against sin. That's right. Today. We're dealing with it. Every corner. Every aspect. I mean our world is filled with it. Our, our, our Everything we do. Be, because believers throughout the world need solutions to many com complex problems and threatening situations that they are facing. The church is in desperate need of revival. Amen. Our churches today, all across America, are in desperate need of revival. And revival will happen when God's people pray, seek his face fast, turn from their wicked ways. He said, then I will hear. I'll forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. Do we not need a healing? Amen. Hallelujah. So, Every tribe, every tongue, every nation is in desperate need of evangelism today, or evangelization. So because the world in general and the church in particular are crying out for the people of character and integrity, people who have found in Christ the emotional healing, the strength to overcome, sinful and destructive habits are the ones that have decided to discipline themselves and follow him. How many wants to be in that crowd? So because of the abundance of food today in our society, we got fast foods in every corner. Amen. If they're not fast enough, they get chewed out. They get a bad survey. North American believers has been insulated from the realities of starvation and malnutrition that's in the two-thirds of the world. Because we have got it good. So we've been insulated, so therefore we know no discipline. <coughs> the media has captured the national attention that even believers are operating according to principles completely alien from God in their lives. They do not even understand the power of God anymore. The Christians of today don't understand a real, overcoming, powerful lifestyle Amen. that God intends for his people to have. Right. Everybody believes everybody's got issues and everybody's got problems. Yeah. Right? Because we do. But guess what? We got a God that can deliver us from it. Amen. If we get interested in what he's interested in. 
Because even with the abundance of food and, and medical technology in North America, people are not healthy. Amen. Amen. Right. We're in trouble. So many believers have become entangled with econ in the economic and social pursuits that they need to be set free to establish their testimonies and their influence to the world. We need to be set free from this bondage of flesh. Because of the growing influence of demonic forces and waning influence of biblical Christianity in North America. It's, it, it, and the fact that believers need protection from the evil forces. So we need to discipline ourselves to get that to happen. Amen. Not because God is sitting up there saying you better discipline yourself, but if you want to see God really move in your life, you have to give him more of you. Right. We're all crying for more of Jesus, and he's saying, I got you, I gave you everything you need. I need more of you. Amen. I need more of you. I don't you don't need more of me. I need more of you. Because if you give me more of you. You already got more than you can handle of me. Right. Amen. Right. Come on. Woo. So our, post, our culture has become post-Christian and militantly plurist, pluralistic. Our culture is little by little losing the influence of the bridegroom. And he's who's coming back for us. And we haven't spoke to him sometimes in 20 or 30 years and haven't even given him any of ourselves. And we're still proclaiming he's coming back. And now we're losing sight of his coming because we have no influence of the bridegroom in the earth. This is what fasting will do is bring the influence of Christ back into our cities. Amen? How many wants the influence of Christ in your life? How many wants the influence of the bridegroom? He left us, but he's coming back. So when we fast, we're going to reestablish contact with him. Amen? He's going to say, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to move in ways that you didn't know I was able to move in. So when we fast, we'll move forward in evangelism and reach out to feeding and helping others. Is that what we want? Yeah. God will then pour out his presence upon his people. Yeah. I, I, the first thing I want to talk about is fasting to overcome belief, unbelief, and doubt. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 58, and Sister Karen uh, brought this out a few, week, a few weeks ago, I think in her lesson that she did. But Matthew chapter 13 and verse 58 said he did not many mighty works because of their unbelief. The next verse that I want to talk about is, is, is the uh, verse that Jesus talked to the disciples and the disciples were supposed to be able to cast out this devil. The man had brought his demonic lunatic son and this lunatic, how many knows what a lunatic is? Keep doing the same thing over and over, except expecting different results. Right? He keeps doing the same thing over and over. Keeps falling in the same old trap. Keeps going the same old place. And expecting it to be different. That's a lunatic spirit. Well, this man had a son that was filled with that. I mean, he brought him to the disciples. He said, I got to have him delivered. 
He keeps doing the same thing over and over. Keeps going in and getting into trouble. Keeps getting in the same mess. It ain't even a different mess. It's the same one. I got to have him delivered. The disciples did their thing, but did he get delivered? No. Jesus came, comes down off the mountain of transfiguration, and Jesus healed the guy in the same hour. Said, "In the you get a that, that you get out of him. You come out of him right now." That devil <coughs> coughed and spit and threw him on the ground and everything, but he came out in the same hour. He didn't want to, but he did it. Because you understand, Jesus was Jesus, and Jesus has authority. And the same authority that Jesus has, he's promised that we have. So the disciples get in the AA meeting. They get in the private meeting. And they say, Jesus, why couldn't we cast that out? And Jesus looks at them boys and says, because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove. And nothing, everybody say that with me, and nothing will be impossible unto you. Amen. Ooh. Mm. Nothing shall be, how many like that? You know what Jesus told them previously? These kind don't come out by my prayer and fasting. Why? Because you got to believe. And to get your belief fixed, you got to pray and fast. Because the spirit of unbelief will hinder Jesus from doing the work. It hinders him and other people, like we read in Matthew. And it hinders him in this position because we got faith to believe. But sometimes we don't have the belief fixed to believe that I can speak that and it's going to happen. Because we doubt us. And it's not you. It's him. You got to stop believing you and start believing him. Because you know you. Yeah. And I know me and I can't. But I got to put my faith in him. So if I'm going to put my faith in him, I have to give him me. So he gets the glory for me. And he's in control of me. And he's in power through me. And I'm in him and he's in me. Because that's a hope. Of glory. If we want to see glory, that's the only way we're going to have it is He in us and we in Him. He said, If you abide in me and my word abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done. But we got to get our faith back in Him. It's not in me anymore, it's in Him. I'm living in Him, I'm moving in Him, I'm crucified with Christ, so yet I live, not I. But Christ lives through me. Amen. Hallelujah. So if you're going to fix your belief, you're going to have to give him you. Unbelief is an enemy to operating in the miraculous. Unbelief is an enemy 
to operating in the miraculous. If you want to, how many wants to operate in the miraculous? Amen. Well, unbelief is going to stop it. Because yeah. <clears throat> we're going to be up here trying to figure out how we do it. That's what those disciples, they were using the one, two, three that Jesus taught them. Right. And the one, two, three wasn't working because they didn't believe in him. Because they was always arguing about who was the greatest. They got to the table and they was arguing about who was going to be the greatest. They got out in the boat and started arguing about. Right? That's not belief. That's unbelief because you're trying to figure out who among us is great enough to heal this guy. Did you pray, brother? You should have prayed more. Unbelief is the enemy to operating in the supernatural, the miraculous. The disciples could not cast out strong demons because of their unbelief. It is important to drive unbelief out of our lives. One of those ways that this is accomplished is through prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting help us clear obstacles. Obstacles, I can't hardly say that word, to faith and faith-filled actions. How many wants faith-filled actions? Amen. During the healing revival of 1948-1957 and came many healings ministry this way. Franklin Hall wrote a book, a key book, called The Atomic Power with God with Prayer and Fasting. He called fasting supercharged prayer. It's in 1948. Wow. Supercharged prayer. You're getting your prayer a lot closer because you are committing yourself to God. You are giving him you and saying, God, you do what you want to with me. Amen? So it's no self in it. It's no self. No self. No self involved in it whatsoever. It's all him. When we get back to that place, we're going to have a move of God. And this place right here in Stillwell, Oklahoma, will not be able to hold this church. Amen? When it becomes all about him instead of what I want. Here's, one, here's another thing he said, and I hope you guys don't get offended. He said flesh has three primary needs or desires. Food, sex, and status. Three main things that the human body needs. And of these, food is dominant. Whoa. So when you do away with the food part, you control the rest. When you control that demon, you control everything else. Right? It's quiet in here. How are we going to get in control? How are we going to do this, God? You got to give him you first. Fasting ain't going to help you unless you have totally give him yourself and said, God, it's all about you. 
It's all about you. So these natural, these natural desires are valid. They're valid. But they can easily become too strong. Excessive desires equal lust. Come on. Eve, she saw that it was good for food. Uh-huh. Mm. So she lusted after what God said, don't touch. It was pleasant to the eyes. It was good to make one wise. And it was good for food. All three of those. That's what he just said. The enemy tempted Jesus with the same three things. And Jesus said it is written on every one of them. He had word for him. The devil doesn't like word. So when you get word in you and word's what comes out when you're under pressure, the devil's going to get his honey out somewhere else. Start aggravating somebody else because he don't like what you've got to say. Amen? Amen? Because he don't like word. He got the first word, the first Christmas word in the garden. God told him, said her seed will bruise your seed. Bruise your head. Her seed. Mm. You know what that seed was? And Mary said unto the angel, be it according to your word. And immediately the word became flesh. Woo! That's just too good, y'all. And dwelt among us, John says. So the seed is the word. So the word of the woman. It's going to bruise his head. That word is Christ. Christ is the word. I got to hurry and get back to my fasting, don't I? Thus fasting is the way to assert control over every one of these things that we deal with. Fasting coupled with prayer is one of the most powerful weapons to break through and overcome unbelief. Jesus preceded his ministry with fasting. Hey, he started out with a fast, 40 days. In the wilderness, fasting. You know what? That devil couldn't mess with him because he doesn't have 40 days of it. He come out of there, he was powered. And Jesus had done broke all of his stuff and gave it up. So Jesus proceeded his ministry with fasting and returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee is what the Bible says. But Jesus did not struggle with unbelief in any situation. I encourage you to fast for a breakthrough. I'm going to talk about now prayers that release special faith. These prayers come straight from the word of God. And I have some lists up here. There's seven of them up here. Y'all can fight over them and I'll print some more. But <laughs> there's, there's seven of these lists right here on the front seat. But we're going to start out with the Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 21. And we have redone these scriptures. So they're not word for word scriptures, but you'll get the point when you read the scripture. I will forsake any bondage that seeks to entrap me looking forward by my faith and setting my eyes on him who is invisible. Mm -hmm. 
that verse says to forsake bondages that seeks to entrap you looking forward and setting your eyes on him who is invisible. But when you, when you make a prayer out of it and a declaration, the devil's a loser. Never. Hebrews eleven twenty nine. I decree and declare that by faith I will walk through my trials on dry ground and my enemies will be drowned. Whatever's going on in your life right now is about to lose its hold on you as you begin to fast and proclaim these words. I will encircle the immovable walls in my life by faith. Those walls will fall down, Hebrews 11 and 30. I will subdue kingdoms, rain down righteousness, obtain promises, and stop the mouths of wine because of my faith, Hebrews 11, 33. I'm telling you, folks, these things work. It's a word. 2 Corinthians 1 and 21, I am established and anointed by God. Matthew 17, 20, I activate my mustard seed faith and say to this mountain of sickness and disease in my life, be removed and go to another place and nothing will be impossible unto me. Amen. Amen. I just read you that one, so I don't have to refurbish yet. So, but in, in Matthew 8 and 10, I declare that I have uncommon and great faith in the power of Jesus Christ. Faith that not, cannot be found anywhere else. Matthew 8 and 10. And Jesus told this to a man. He said, you've got faith that I can't have found anywhere else. Oh, hallelujah. Great uncommon faith. It's not common faith. You know what's going to happen when we start giving God ourselves? We're going to wake up in the morning and we're going to have uncommon faith. Amen. Amen. So Luke 17 and 5, I pray as your anointed disciples pray, increase my faith. Romans 4 and 20, I will not stagger at the promise of God through unbelief, but I will stand strong in the faith giving glory to God. Romans 10 and 17, my faith increases the more I hear and I hear by the word of God. I will walk by faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5 and 7. I declare that I feel the substance and see the evidence of things that I have faith for in Hebrews 11 and 1. I declare that I'm going to feel the substance this year. I'm going to lay hands on what I've been praying for. And I'm going to have the evidence of things that I've got faith for. Is that good? I see through the eyes of faith the promise of things afar off. I am persuaded of their reality and I embrace them knowing that I'm a stranger and a pilgrim on this earth. Hebrews 11 and 13. I got it going on. James 1 and 6. I will stand and not waver. I will come boldly before God asking in faith. Amen. Just a declaration of what his word says. Put it personal. Make it yours. 1 Timothy 1 and 19. How many people have you seen suffer shipwreck this last year? I will not suffer shipwreck in my life because I have faith and a good conscience in God. Amen. Amen. Not going to go down. I'm not going to suffer shipwreck. I declare that my faith works together with my works and by my works my faith is made perfect. James 2 and 22. 
I will show my faith by my works I do. James 2 and 18. Because of my faith in Jesus, I have boldness and confident access to approach God. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 12. I am the son of Abraham because I have faith. Galatians 3 and 7. I am the son of God because I have faith in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3 and 26. I go in peace because my faith has saved me. Luke 7 and 50. My faith is alive. James 2 and 17. The spirit of God has given me the gift of faith. 1 Corinthians 12 and 9. I have faith in God. Mark 11, 22. Let it be to me according to my faith. Matthew 9 and 29. No man has dominion over my faith. I stand by faith. 2 Corinthians 1 and 24. Like Stephen, I do great wonders and signs because I'm full of faith. Acts chapter 6 and verse 8. Man, what, a, what, what promises we have. Amen. Amen? Amen. We just need to turn around and use them. My faith is not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. 1 Corinthians 2 and 5. I will not be sluggish. I will imitate those who through faith and patience inherited the promises of God. Hebrews 6 and 12. I, the just shall live by faith. Romans 1 and 12. The righteousness of God is revealed to me through faith in Jesus. Romans 3.22. I am justified by my faith in Christ Jesus. Romans 3.26. I have access by my faith to the grace of God. Romans 5 and 2. I am raised to life through faith in Christ. Colossians 2 and 12. By faith I received the promise of God in my life. Galatians 3 and 22. My faith and my hope are in God. 1 Peter 1 and 21. My faith will not fail because Jesus is interceding for me. Luke chapter 22 and verse 32. Jesus told Paul, uh, Peter, I prayed for you that your faith didn't fail. And guess what? He's interceding at the throne room of heaven. For you and me, our faith don't fail. By faith, the pure promises of God is sure to me the seed of Abraham, Romans 4 and 16. I pray the prayer of faith and will see the sick saved and raised up, James 5 and 15. I take the shield of faith and I quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 16. I put on the breastplate of faith and love. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 8. I obtain for myself good standing and great boldness in my faith in Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 3 and 13. This, and we're starting next week talking about the fast God chooses. We talked about this a little bit last year, but it's from Isaiah chapter 58. If you want to go and read that, I think it's uh, starting us out in the um, 58 chapter, Isaiah chapter 58, and I believe it's verse 3 and 4, I think. And we're going to talk about the fast God choose, chooses. It's, it's good to know what the Word of God said about fasting, right? Amen. Amen. So as we go through this, I want you to remember these scriptures. Get your copy of them if you need it. If you've got them all written down, change them all and put them in your own words and do it. Say them every, every time you go to the Lord while you're praying. Begin to repeat these. All through the day, if you've got one special one that you're really hanging on to, put it on your mirror, your car, put it on your mirror, your bathroom, wherever you're going to put it on your refrigerator, wherever you're going to pass by and see it, that it reminds you who you are and who God is. Because if we're going to win in this discipline, it's going to be when we give God our all. Amen? Amen. 
So how many is ready? Amen. 2019 is going to be a blast. Amen. We're calling it a good year right now. Because the Bible said, "He, I will crown your year with blessing. Woo, what does that mean? For this year's over. Everything I go through, I'm going to get blessed about. Because when you go through, you're going to go through stuff. Every year you go through something. But as you go through it, guess what? You're going to come. How many knows when you go through something, you're going to come out? Because we got that promise. Because Joseph went to the pit to get to the palace, but he didn't stay in the pit. Jonah went to the well to get to Nineveh, but he didn't stay in the well. Jesus went through the grave and the tomb, but he didn't stay in either one. Hallelujah. And you ain't staying either. You're coming out. You're coming out. It's only temporary. Amen. McCain, would you sing a song of borrowed tune? He didn't, he didn't stay. He didn't need no one of his own because he wasn't going to stay there for three days, but for three days and a night, then three nights. He just needed to borrow one. Yeah. Amen? That's our G. So guess what? When I die, it's just a borrowed grave. Yeah. I'm not staying there. Amen. Amen. I'm just glad that you know Jesus. Amen. Amen. So everybody stand tonight. We're going to dismiss.